0: Hi there, and welcome back to the community Shadju podcast. My name is Deb shell. I'm a creator turned community builder. After launching my online community in 2020, I have a passion for online events and bringing people together. I now consult business owners and leaders, just like yourself who have a message, their life's work, or a vision for helping others transform through their online courses, cohorts, or memberships. On this interview-style podcast, you'll hear conversations with community leaders, passion for bringing people together online. Our goal is to provide you with interesting conversations to inspire you to build, launch, and grow an online community with energy, confidence, and purpose. Let's get started. I am just going to jump in here and give you a recap real quick about the conversation I just had with uh, Lawrence from the Happy Startup School. So we chatted about so many things. This episode is packed with tons of community strategy. Although what he told me was that he didn't have a community strategy. Carlos is his co-founder and they founded the Happy Startup School about 10 years ago, actually, uh, with in-person events in a park in London. and. What he said was this community building process was a lot about faith and iteration and changing and acceptance of like how this changed over time. They had uh, launched a uh, an in-person event uh, through Meetup, using meetup.com, uh, having meetups and then people kept asking about how do we connect after this. And so it was based on the validation that he found working with these entrepreneurs and business owners and new startups, people or people who wanted to start an, I had an idea and wanted to start a business, but didn't really know how, and realized that all these people didn't want to sit at home alone and and do, you know, creating content and doing things all by themselves, really wanted to connect with community, which is what I'm all about. And we talked a lot about how to collaborate collaborate within community. He broke down, you know, the strategies that he used with a medium blog to build his audience, as well as an email list. He really built an in-person initiative first though. That was how they found really true uh, success monetarily. So they had an in-person event with 150 people they've had that just recently so he shares about the uh, summer camp that they just experienced uh they talk about the online community what they're using now for the platform how they chose that platform and kind of about you know what the future is for startups and just turning in on uh we don't like as a startup i don't know about you if you're a startup or if you identify as a founder or a startup or an entrepreneur or maybe a solo entrepreneur but it's hard It's hard work and you're doing a lot and you're trying to do it on the fly and you're trying to figure everything out and change as rapidly as possible when you're getting feedback from people. And so one of the biggest uh, tips that he talked about was just trusting in the values that you establish. And so some of those values for him were asking a lot of questions of themselves as founders and the members as well. Just talking about, you know, how can we Put purpose in front of profits is it possible to do that what does that look like and not just as a hobbyist but as a business owner um so so many things in this episode that came up for me and i joined the happy startup school as a member uh over the summertime and (laughs) have just been enjoying our random conversations with this um this one virtual call that i've been attending throughout um our, my time there uh, online, in their online community as I'm in the US and they're in the UK and Europe. And and so it's been really interesting. One of the things that I had to learn and I'll, and I'll wrap up here was just to drop my assumptions around what meeting is and what talking about a business as a founder is. Because honestly, I showed up and just realized that we can have deeper conversations and meaningful and purposeful conversations without talking about pricing and offer and marketing and sales so i wanted to just shout out uh thanks to lawrence and the happy startup school for sharing these amazing learning lessons with us today on the community strategy podcast and there are some amazing tips in there so i hope you enjoy it let's get started hi all and Thanks for joining us again with the Community Strategy Podcast. My name is Dev Shell. I'm the host. And on this podcast, we chat with community leaders and professionals building online communities with purpose and intention. And today I've got Lawrence. Now I'm going to Lawrence do <laughs> with, with me today. Uh, tell me where you're calling in from today, Lawrence.
1: I'm calling in from Brighton in England, in the UK so just on the Beautiful. south coast about an hour from london which i'm guessing most of your listeners will know about
0: yes yes uh the audience here with the community strategy podcast is kind of shifted between between uh, the u.s and the the uk uh, europe okay. uh, audience so yeah got a mix there um thanks for joining today
1: is a privilege and, no glad to be here
0: and i'm super excited to get in and uh learn a little bit more about you i've i've uh, been a part of the happy startup school which you've uh, been just celebrated what uh, how many years that you've been running the, the happy it startup? will be
1: 10 years this month or next month maybe i can't quote depends what you uh, define as the start date but in my eyes it's like when we registered the, the domain name so i might need to go and check exactly when that was because that's i don't know about you but the thing if i've got an idea i just register a domain name and probably years later have hundreds of domain names that never ever Came to the see the light of day, but yeah, that was one that stuck, so yeah, I'll have to uh, work that one out. But yeah, it's around now 10 years, decade of, of the Happy very
0: Startups. cool. So, tell us a little bit about the Happy Startup School and uh, what the vision was there and how that got started.
1: Wow, well, I'd love to say we had a really strong vision of what this was going to become back then, but really at the time, it was more of a, I think, an idea, maybe a wish, uh, and a frustration. Um, so myself and Carlos, who's my co founder and long time friend, we We were running a a web design agency around that time and we were working with a lot of entrepreneurs who wanted to bring their ideas to life. And so on that journey, we'd help them build their website. And over time, we ended up developing a real niche around um, helping people to build online platforms and applications. And that became their business. So in some ways, we were helping them not just to build a website and a brand, we were helping them to build a business online. So we started to then... You know, and a craft really in in not just product and design and development, but also in terms of startup um, coaching, mentoring, therapy, call it what you will. Um, and on that journey, we we just hit a bit of a wall where we realized uh, a lot of the work work around startups, a lot of the narrative was very much all of the same ilk. I.e., you build something to grow it, to scale it, uh, and often to sell it. And we weren't really inspired by that after working on a few of those projects. And so in some ways the happy startup school was almost a bit of a backlash against that. We wanted to explore is there another view of entrepreneurship that put purpose before profit and um looked at success in different ways. And so really that was our idea at the start was like what would business, the world look like if we put purpose, happiness, impact before profit. And that was really it. That was just a, an idea we had and so we put that out and well yeah 10 years later here we are but yeah we never have imagined what we'd have done if we'd have set out maybe we would have been scared to start if we had known the path we'd take
0: Hmm. and I was just thinking about what is that what does that to me I'm thinking okay if if you have a business that's not focused as much on profit then is that a business (laughs) or is it a hobby
1: (laughs) well this is it and this is why it was never a an assumption. It was just a question, if if anything, and that's why on our programs now and conversations, we often ask people like, "What's your mission question?" Rather than "What's your mission statement?" Because, mm. yeah, I believe that curiosity is what brings other people in, and and actually that's what worked for us. Is like we're trying to work this out. Is this is it actually a, an assumption that could be true? So so yeah, we we've always put money. um at the heart of everything we do but it's not the most important thing and so that's I think one caveat it's not just a question of like do I don't go down the purpose route or do I go down the profit route and I think it's a mistake a lot of people make is they think I either need to be a non-profit or a charity or I need to be a sort of um, money hungry billionaire unicorn and that's there's no in between and mm. the way we see it is it's just having it other forms of currency almost in terms of how we make decisions and, and for money not to be the sole driver of that when we're thinking about building our businesses
0: and how did you work with entrepreneurs in the past or was that something you were doing before you and carlos started the school or is this something that was uh, you had previous different background that you transitioned into this
1: yeah well like i said we we were helping people to more than anything, build a shopfront online for their businesses. So a lot of these people were were startups, more small businesses, really, than, than typical tech startups. But as soon as we started to niche into, you know, helping people to bring their their kind of digital ideas to life, i.e. often the first version or prototype of an application or an app, then that's when we really started to attract more first-time entrepreneurs often. And so okay. probably for a good two or three years before we started the school, we were... Working with these um, individuals or teams to to help them just explore what does this product look like, and so on that journey we learned loads, you know, on their time often. But yeah, this was their baby, this was their startup, and so in some ways we were thrown into their world, and you know, which um, gave us a lot of well, a lot of challenges, but also a lot of learnings too, which we then uh, channeled into what came next. So yeah, we felt like we did our apprenticeship really over those few years, where we were just understanding not just what is it people are trying to do, but like, why are they trying to do it? And that was the bit that fascinated me particularly was Mm. what made them start this business? What was it about them that, you know, connected them to this mission that they were on? And in some ways, as as a designer, helping them to tell their story to the outside world, like, how do we get people to care about this product? Not just buy it, but buy into the story behind it.
0: And how do you think that, um, what were some success stories or is there anything that you remember from that time that um, really impacted you?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there was, I know there's a lot of situations where people didn't necessarily want to be <laughs> prodded and probed in the way we were. So there's a lot of frustration, I think, for some of the clients we were with, because they didn't employ us to be difficult or challenge them. So, uh, you know, you can't coach someone who doesn't want to be coached, right? So Yeah.
0: Um, the constant challenge of the client wanting you to do what they say and not ask questions. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, but we can't do what we need to do without some of these, these questions. I've run into that a lot in my, in my experience with clients. And I love questions. Um, I was a background in journalism, so I've definitely (laughs) asked lots of them over years. And I find that they just help so much in getting clarity. Right.
1: Yeah. And, And it's that thing of, you know, at the time the way we positioned ourselves was we weren't really sure what our true worth was or our true value. So clients would come to us pitting us up against you know maybe a development shop in you know asia and that would be like okay i just want to here's a brief go build it give me a quote what can you guys do versus actually maybe the brief you've written isn't really worth much because you don't really know what you're basing it on there's a lot of assumptions you're making about this product so in some ways we them to rip it up and start again but that's not the most uh diplomatic way of going about it so we, we try and have workshops and conversations to get people to open up and then to realize you know we don't want to build something that no one wants we don't want to waste all their money on a product that maybe isn't the right product so that was you know a learning for us in terms of how to navigate that and how to deal with entrepreneurs and be sensitive to a vision that they've got because we can all be stubborn a stubborn lot. so you don't want to be to have ideas that we
0: want to we really believe in or locked into but then have a hard time seeing all of the um when people poke holes in them (laughs) Uh, or just asking asking the challenging the the question to you know make things successful to make it clear to me because um you know messaging and and How you speak about something is how people relate to what you're talking about. Yeah. How did you transition then to uh, client work and then the startup school? What did that look like?
1: Um, Well, it was more of an evolution, really, I would say. So, you know, we started out doing web design work. Then we evolved into this startup studio. So we built a process and some services around helping people to bring their first product to life. And then the Happy Startup School really started as a side projects it wasn't like we just jacked in the agency and just followed that path it was very much you know test and iterate and and experiment on the side and we'd always wanted to build our own products so there was a vision both me and carlos had i think to eventually take all this learning we'd had building our agency and then apply that to our own thing so even though as an agency founder or i suppose any creative working for other clients you're you're your own boss but you're not you know you 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 have a Work. bit of freedom but you you kind of lose a lot of creativity and autonomy because you're ultimately as we said at the beck and call of the people paying the bills so mm-hmm. I suppose the route for us was either we you know become more skilled become more thought leaders in that space maybe build a bigger team bigger office bigger clients you know and grow grow the agency which was a was one route and there was lots of people and friends and peers we had who who took that route. Um, But that didn't really inspire us. Like we'd have conversations with some of those people and it just didn't sell that vision to us for what we wanted for our our lives or careers. So I think we struggled with, I'd say, a new vision for that business because we were 10 years in. I certainly got to the point where I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I was at the start. I was doing less creative work, more managing, more... um, you know, more operations in some ways because a lot of the projects we were working on became six months, 12 months, you know, year-long projects. So I don't know, I like the start, I like the, that honeymoon bit, the beer, you know, the beginning where you're getting those ideas out there and yeah. uh, I was doing less of that and more just account management really, which wasn't really my skill set and yeah. so the Happy Startup School felt like a fun part of my week. It felt like more and more the thing that energized me and excited me and then I go back to the client work and it felt like putting an old pair of shoes on you know when you get a new pair of trainers and sneakers you feel like oh, this is exciting and then you put the old slippers back on and they don't fit anymore so um <laughs> it took a good couple of years I would say for us to really understand what it was we were creating and and to build the confidence really to be able to to just eventually close the agency and to to move into this as our full-time venture um which in some ways was only possible due to the community we built which had given us that confidence it wasn't much we weren't there sitting in there in stealth mode planning this out it was very much in collaboration with others which yeah was a big part of that
0: yeah what did your community strategy look like that's what i'd love to to dig into there um (laughs) do you have a lot of planning around a community strategy before you launched or brought people together
1: no, well I was about to say, Yeah, uh, you're making it sound like there was a strategy. <laughs> Carlos wanted one. Carlos was always saying, What's the plan? Show me the plan. Um, and Carlos, by his own admission, loves loves control. He's a scientist by background, you know, he's he's his skill set is not just, but you know, there's a big part of him that, that is good in structure. And so for me, I was really following my gut with this and my feeling and intuition around that this is something that could be our future, that you know, something we can devote our time to. So I wouldn't say there was a strategy, but I would say there was a faith. Um, in, faith in terms of, you know, we were getting more response from this within a few months of doing it than we had done in ten years of running an agency. You know, just the the level of um, feedback and this, I guess, just the depth of the depth of the response was, you know, this is what we maybe could be doing. And when you're doing creative work, a lot of the time the feedback you get is. Something's wrong. You know, fix this, change this. It's very, very rare you get praise or any sort of really positive. I mean, it's not true. You probably get some, but um, yeah, I certainly felt like yeah, I wasn't getting oh, that
0: yeah.
1: instant <laughs> the feedback. The second that
0: you, the second that you like, you spend you know months on a, on a website and your marketing and all these things, and then you're like launch day, yay, celebrate, put it out there, and then there's seventeen people that are like, hey, you have something spelled wrong on your website. Hey this link doesn't work. Hey, I think you should do
1: exactly 17
0: others. Do you have an email list yet? Do you have your social media following? <laughs> no, we just started. Exactly. You know, shut up, do your own business and then talk to me after exactly. you've done all the work, but people love, so, yeah. to, love to just dig in and be like, here, do this. Um, which is so, yeah, I can definitely frustrating to that, as that, a startup. Um,
1: yeah, and also because we were building eventually a lot more complex systems that there was, you know, code underlying it, there was software. And so that, you know, was on another level whereby it wasn't just a typo on the website. It was like if something's wrong with the code, then it could just throw out the whole app. And so the yeah. the level of responsibility that came with that work became greater and greater. And so that that was a source of stress and anxiety, sleepless nights, because you're thinking, God, we're, we're learning whilst whilst doing this work you know and technology is changing all the time and uh-huh. so you know that I think and, and we were working with entrepreneurs who this is their baby this is their you know the kind of thing they're living for and so they expect you to pick up the phone on a Saturday and fix something because if you don't then what they're going to do for the next two days they're going to stress out so yeah that that was not I would say a path that we could have walked for many years because yeah that takes an awful lot of commitment to, to that that work.
0: yeah the um Tech Stack, where, where did you start with your community? Did you start with Muddy on uh, in the beginning? I know no, you know so now.
1: we're on Mighty Networks now, yeah. But um, no, at the beginning, it was it was more in person, to be honest. We didn't really, I mean, this is like, what, 2012. So we actually started on Meetup. So we, um, uh-huh. in some ways, Meetup, I would say, was our, our testbed, really. We started a Meetup group in London. You know, the great thing about Meetup, certainly then, was it was pretty popular so a lot of people in london were on it we, we offered something different there was a lot of tech startup meetup groups there was a lot of coding groups and design groups but there was nothing that sort of brought all of these things together and a bit of social entrepreneurship to it so we you know we had people sign up we could see who was signing up we could ask them a question we could get some information that way from them and so we just started to run some regular monthly meetups and then that you know in person on the ground was a way to slowly build that community and naturally at the end of those meetups people say oh how do we stay in touch how do we stay connected right. and so we could see that there was a need there rather than us building out a strategy of this is how this is going to work we were very much reacting to what we were hearing because we'd never set out to create community it was very much mm. you know following that thread following that idea and and yeah just a bit of serendipity a bit of uh, a meeting of needs let's say that that kind of connected us to that community
0: um, meetup is such a, uh, interesting, um, way to, I think it's such a great way to, to just start and connect people with one common thread and then, mm. um, building those relationships. Is that how you kind of, it sounds like from what you're explaining is that's how you kind of did uh, you know conversationally ideal member interviews for figuring out who your yeah. ideal members were and who um, was going to be the right fit for the community that you wanted to create is that kind of yeah I, kind I remember of, one of the things I did at the beginning and-
1: was I um I remember reaching out to a few of the people that signed up to the group and just said do you fancy a chat and so I'd have a call with them just to understand like what was it about the group that you like the look of because obviously you have a description and there's you know that was all just amazingly valuable feedback for me to know what resonated with them about this you know was it just a random hey I'm you you said startup or uh, I'm new in London I just want to meet some new people or was there something more whereby your message your mission sounded really interesting and so those conversations really helped and so yeah those meetups were like one big focus group in some ways to understand what what some people's mind like what challenges are people facing like what talks, do people find interesting? Um, and just who are they? Like who are these people? Like are they startups? Are they designers? Are they um developers? Are they people who work in corporates? And it turned out it was all of those people. There was this real yeah. mix of people from different, you know, different points in their entrepreneurial journey, but also just different jobs and careers. So it wasn't just they're all entrepreneurs looking to find purpose, for example, it was people who love the e- the ethos who Actually, that attracted people from, like I said, people who work in corporates who want to learn about how to bring more purpose and meaning to those environments or people who work in schools who might be a teacher who are curious about well-being and how we can apply that to education. So that almost was like a little microcosm of the community we've built today, which is this smelting pot of people and ideas all connected around a common uh, set of values, I would say, and a, and a mindset around work and life.
0: Yeah. So, so interesting. And for everybody who is listening to the episode, just a a scoop for you that David Siegel, the CEO of Meetup is going to be episode 100. Um, So I'm super excited uh, that David has uh, decided to speak on the Community Strategy Podcast. So uh, the, the uh, community that you've built, uh, you have, I don't know, a couple hundred members, I think right now um what what was the transition like from like meeting up online or sorry in person to transitioning it to an online community what did that look like uh
1: well it was very much born out of our summer camp uh, event which we run annually so that um we did the first one in 2013 so we'd run meetups for a few months and then we had this desire really just to put on a day event so rather than just a couple of hours in the evening we put on our first summer camp which was just a day in london um, in Hyde Park um, and off the back of that again the same questions how do we stay in touch and so we we create a Facebook group at the time which was a simple way to just keep that community connected and then the following year we did a our first weekend summer camp which is three days um, we had 150 people come for that and that was really when everything changed I would say we closed the agency six months afterwards we ran our first leadership retreat after that we started the online community. So did our first online course so that was almost the catalyst for everything else so the people that were kind day. of
0: coming consistently to the meetup um were kind of the pool with um who came to your summer camp is that uh
1: partly but also we, we were blogging at the time so we started to build a following on medium so medium I say was our other channel to reach people yeah. and meetup was great for you know in-person contact specifically to london and brighton where we eventually moved to um, But the beauty about blogging or podcasting, as you know, is you can reach anyone anyway. And so we had these kind of parallel communities, really. with a global community building online and we had a local community building on the ground. And so some of the people who came from summer camp came from overseas, which surprised us in some ways that they felt they knew us well enough or trusted us well enough to jump on a plane and come to this crazy uh, day in London. Um, (laughs) But at the same time... We, we didn't sort of push against that because we were just really curious, like, okay, what what are they, what are they not finding where they are that they find yeah. here? And so that again made us think, well, there's definitely something here if someone's willing to trust us enough to jump on the plane to come and hang out with us for a day. And so that's yeah. where this online community came in more was, again, how do we bring these different people together, both people on the ground and people who've met online?
0: Yeah, what was your um, experience with... Just developing these relationships, and um, did you build an, a social media channel um, as you were growing at the same time? Um, was it a multi? Did were you doing email lists? Uh, I, mean, I know uh, there's some people I that are going to listen to the episode, and be yeah. like, were you doing all the things?
1: <laughs> I think email building our email list was probably one of the most fundamental um, things we did from the start. And so, meetups great, but you don't have access to people's email. Um,
0: yeah. And
1: in some ways, I wish we'd been a bit more. Sort of diligent about how about, we did that yeah, yeah when, when, especially when we had meetups try and get people's email so uh, but we did try and direct people to our email newsletter and so we offered free ebooks and things and you know um, discounts on the events and yeah we started to grow that quite quickly so we start to go go from like a few hundred to a few thousand and so that really became yeah where we talked to people how we communicated um, but then on the back of that medium started to take off And we start to see a lot more traffic on medium than we did on our own blog. And so in some ways, I wouldn't say that was a bad decision, but now now looking back, now medium has changed the algorithm, like with any social media channel, in some ways you're then tied to them. But then when they change the algorithm, you don't get maybe the same response that you did before. And so we've got something like 120,000 followers on medium. We used to get tons of traffic, whereas now, you know, it's like uh, talking to an empty room and that's the trouble with some of these platforms. So yeah, I would say our email list still is how we basically communicate, communicate to most of our community, and that's the bit I find challenging. with this is our Mighty Networks community is a couple of hundred, but we've probably had like five thousand come through our programs. We've um had I don't know, uh, probably almost a thousand come through our summer camp. So there's all these like sub communities of mm-hmm. of the Happy Startup School. We've got a Facebook group with five hundred in it, which is our summer camp alumni. We've got um, god knows how many whatsapp groups of all the different cohorts and programs and retreats we've run um Mm -hmm. with maybe 20-25 people in each one um that many of them are still active so our goal with mighty networks was to bring it all together but it hasn't actually materialized like that it turns out it's actually just a specific um group of people who have a need to stay connected in this way online or Mm -hmm. regularly um whereas a lot of the other groups are really those who've had shared experiences and they've had a connection at a specific time and a place. And so that's allowed them to build that connection and and be quite happy with that group that they have rather than feel the need to connect with the wider community or other people who they may have not shared an experience with. So that's been an interesting learning for us.
0: Yeah. And what brought you to Mighty?
1: Um, Well, we tried almost everything else at the time. So we tried, Facebook groups we tried Slack um there wasn't the the choice that there is now I would say in terms of community platforms Mighty Network was one of the first I remember when it was Mighty Bell I think
0: before (laughs) yeah Um,
1: (laughs) yeah uh so I liked the vision for it I liked the fact that it was bringing everything together in one place particularly with us doing in-person events online events yeah courses and so the idea that this was a place where you know and even we had like at this point years of resources and videos and so this archive of stuff and so it seemed appealing to be able to just say here it all is you know, everything in one place yeah. which obviously comes with challenges because it's you know less focused than maybe some platforms but for us it was just the best at the time for what we could find for what we needed
0: what's your experience now with the platform and um, the, you know, there's constantly new features coming and they have live yeah. streaming now and all of these other um, changes that are happening, where are, your, where are your thoughts at? You're gonna stick, uh, stick with yeah. Mighty or?
1: I, I think it's challenging because, you know, I think the live streaming thing we didn't really experiment with much, but I think there's a temptation with any platform, we found this years ago, is the temptation to just try and build one thing that fixes every problem. And so Mm -hmm. we used to be there and on the receiving end of this, when the client says, yeah, I'm frustrated with being, using this for that and this for that. I just want to create one thing that brings it all together. Um, I think the challenge with that is, you know, we use Crowdcast for our live podcasts and it works really well. And we get really good engagement on there. Um, We use Zoom, we use uh, MailChimp, we use Mighty Networks, you know, that can be annoying for a lot of people to have all these different, apps out there but in some ways trying to replace it all with one thing is difficult so I, I kind of see mighty networks almost as a signpost in some ways for for us for a lot of things we do to be able to say look with the crowdcast go check it out sign it there um so we haven't necessarily used some of the features like live video and, and things like that um in the same way um but i said that the things that it is good for is particularly our courses so we host our programs on there um and we tried other pro- platforms from that and we found it to be a, um, a good way to, to do that. Some of them have just been too complex for what we need. And yeah. so being able for the to- For
0: course, the course building platforms you're yeah. talking about. I, mm-hmm. Exactly,
1: yeah. We use Teachable and tried some others before. Um, so so yeah, that's useful to have the courses all in one place. And I could see that being more of where we focus in the future is being able to create more mini co- courses and to be able to create those on networks and not have them sort yeah. of spread all around the internet.
0: Yeah, so I know your community is paid you have a paid membership Mm -hmm. and then you have courses that are an additional payment or programs that you have that are additionally charged. And that's kind of how you've been um, able to be profitable and successful and continuing in the community building space. Right.
1: Yeah. So I would say a few years ago, our vision was more to do the in-person events because we love doing those, but they're really hard to build a successful business around or sustainable business because the margins are so tight and events are unpredictable. Um, Mm -hmm. But so then, our vision, I would say, was to create more of a scalable community where we could get a lot more members paying a little bit, and and again, harnessing this global community that we built. I think the challenge with that for us was, um, yeah, what is it? What is it we're trying to sell? Like, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Yeah. And that we found, given the diversity of our audience, as I said before, makes it difficult because we have people who've been running businesses for ten years. We've got people who are starting out. We've got People who aren't even starting a business but want to learn about this stuff. So what we found was actually if we can have a place where we can bring all this stuff together and then create more separate paid courses where we solve a specific problem. So whether it's our vision program where we help people get clarity on their what we call the excite strategy or our pricing course, where we help people to keep be more comfortable pricing their worth. These are more specific pain points that we can help people with. And actually we can still build community around those things because they're all cohort-based, but yeah. um, everyone's coming to the same entry point and everyone's got the same need, and that, in our eyes, is not something. You know, in the past we'd have thought, well, you know, we'd just throw that into the membership, but we've actually found, particularly for more challenging problems, let's say, or complex problems, to have cohort-based uh, programs with a start and an end has really helped to both help yeah. us build a business around it, but also help the people we can help have more more attention from us really as guides and mentors
0: yeah i think it's hard to do a membership uh, a monthly membership program Mm. because you're constantly having to to support those people versus a standard program where it's like six weeks or eight weeks you know it's beginning to end and then you could have breaks between for reviewing and kind of gaining insights from your your experience right um, exactly. But you you do have so I'm in the in the membership part of it and we've had, there's <laughs> the only call that I really can make because of the timing is the um the soul soul, soul cafe soul cafe which has been a really interesting experience uh, completely not what I was expecting when I first joined but I've been loving those conversations. What's your vision for um, the membership community component? What are you well, working that's on? Int- that's
1: interesting. The interesting thing about it is in some ways it's been about letting go of a vision for it um so in the past we've always tried to force it and tried you know because it came off the back of the community it wasn't something we said oh let's let's go start an online community it was very much like people said we want this we need this and so it felt like a responsibility we had to create a space for people to stay connected because some people wanted that um by trying to make that the main thing as in the main revenue generator for the business i think that was the mistake we made because like you said it's a challenging business model it's not to say it's impossible but for us it was a challenging one so then we were trying to you know create an artificial learning journey for example that people could go on so when they join you know they can sort of get resources and tools and and, uh, things that can help them move forward Um, what we've actually found is creating space for others to step in i.e soul cafe is a great example of that david papa who Um, came to summer camp a few years ago and then shared this vision that he wanted to collaborate with us around I think he wanted to call it SoulWorks at the time so helping um, founders and entrepreneurs explore their spiritual side and actually explore this overlap between spirituality and entrepreneurship Um, so the more woo-woo end of what we do let's say (laughs) Um, and so that soul cafe started out as a a group for that space and became a regular sort of bi-monthly event where you know, we get to discuss some of the bigger questions that we might be facing in a safe, friendly space. And so that really became something that stuck. And we've seen this again with other things like Francis and Simon, who are community members, they run a marketing um, session every month. And so creating space for others to step in by us stepping out has been really interesting to see happen. And, and that's one thing we, we see at our events like summer camp me and Carlos aren't, aren't front and centre. We have a host. We have other people come work. You know, we give other people a platform to shine. Same with our retreat altitude. We you know, we don't really bring in any external speakers or workshop leaders. The group creates the content, and we just facilitate that and host that, and when necessary or when it's needed, we'll step in to offer our advice and knowledge. So that's kind of what we do with it. But it just to see it, how it's evolved over the online space has been interesting because we were almost trying to take a different tact of yeah, we should be doing it this way. We're doing it wrong. When actually maybe just doing it the way we do it is fine. Um, as long as we just see it as, as we said, not the main um revenue generator for the business. Because yeah, as we found, if, if you've got a, a leaky bucket, like it, sorry, if you've got a leaky bucket, there's no point bringing more bringing more uh, water into it. And so that's what we found is because we weren't really clear about what it was, the churn would be higher. And so that made it more difficult to get. Um to make it sustainable just as our main thing really
0: yeah you just had us you just had a a summer camp uh last month
1: yes it was yeah almost four weeks ago yeah Yeah. how
0: was that tell tell me a little bit about that
1: oh um i mean it was amazing and exhausting in equal measure i would say (laughs) so we haven't done one for three years because of covid so um in some ways it's been I'd say it was a really good thing to have that break because we've been doing it nonstop for sort of seven, eight years. So like anything, if you take a step back, have a chance to reflect and reassess, then you come back to it with with fresh eyes. So I would say, I mean, a lot of people said it was our best one because um, A, I think people just were very grateful for it because you know, two years ago, we never knew when we'd be able to do this kind of thing again. Yeah. People really enjoying the richness of just being in person, in nature, outdoors. And just being able to spend time together and a lot of people who'd met online too. So, you know, many of the people who'd been part of the community or done our programs over the last couple of years know each other really well, but never met in person. So that was really lovely to see, as well as all the people who maybe have been before who were just reconnecting with this experience. So, yeah, it was it felt like the most, uh, well, I'd say the one with the most depth, most emotion in some ways, because for a lot of people, this is the first time they've been able to do something for themselves for so long um yeah but yeah i found the build-up quite quite tiring because there's so many things that i just forgotten or because you hadn't done it for so long you're just out of the habit and so you know everything just took more energy and effort um and we wanted it to be amazing because we set a really high bar for ourselves so that um yeah i'd say me carlos probably last week was the first week we kind of could breathe again after after summer camp because yeah you just realize what you're holding and then when it's finished you're like oh a lot of relief i would say first and foremost that we, we pulled it off um and excited again about doing it next year now it's fresh in the memory
0: yeah super exciting and how many people were at that The
1: 150 ones? so yeah we we don't um yeah deliberately i think it's dunbar's number uh, social anthropologist but yeah we found any more than that it just becomes too many it's just Good. the perfect size group for the, the experience we create um so we only sell 100 tickets, 50, and then there's 50 of the 150 are the crew, volunteers, and all the speakers and workshop leaders and activity leaders. So we, yeah. we look for people that want to stay for the whole weekend. So every, every speaker yeah. stays for the whole three days, which makes it really special.
0: Oh, and I love that you were talking earlier about community-led events and community-led uh, initiatives, um, because I think you know community members – uh, by elevating them, you are are giving them a voice, which is what mm-hmm. community is all about: is how allowing people to be seen, valued, and heard, and um, just that that um, ability to see that um, yeah. is is a really great asset for for you to just say, oh, I, you know, let's let's empower these people and um, bring. And that's where I get I them. get
1: a, I get a buzz off that more than I do. You know, for example, like giving talks, like uh, we had three talks each day um and yeah three of those were were people from the community and and for some people they were the the most powerful stories because Mm. you know one guy chris came to the first summer camp like eight nine years ago really quiet shy came the second year and it was only about after about two or three years he actually decided to start his own business and now he's up there talking about this brewery that he's built and um and it was just a nice message for those that have come before Oh, sorry for the first time
0: to, see to the say
1: journey. a don't beat yourself up if you haven't changed the world by monday morning but also <laughs> understand that this this stuff takes time to to sort of percolate and so you might get some inspiration some ideas but maybe the time's not right now and, and to go easy on yourself and i think a lot of people all of us are guilty of wanting to do more and feeling like we should be doing more but actually uh. some things just take time <laughs> to to happen
0: Yes. Being patient is the hardest part, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just doing the work. Uh, We were talking about marketing actions. And I know you wrote a little, uh, just recently, I saw this morning in the community that you posted about um, a little book that you wrote Mm. based on some posts that you did on LinkedIn. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that real quick?
1: Yeah, sure. So the funny thing is, I, I actually wrote it in the forward for that little book was I have been trying to write I would say the book, because that's the way I've kind of framed it, which has meant it's become this, yeah, rod for my own back, basically. Um, I've, I've always wanted to write a book, have a physical thing, you know, just because I've made everything online or an event and just kind of yeah. disappears after you've made it. So to have a thing is a big thing for me. I've got books behind me. Um, but I've, I've ended up making it two bigger things. So what I found really useful is just writing small micro blogs let's call it um on linkedin and it's one of the things we get people on our program to do we have a content challenge we get people to write something small each day and and in some ways just get out of their head and start working out loud as we say so that's something i took on my own at the end of last year and did a hundred day challenge on linkedin to just write something small each day i built this habit basically where in within 20 minutes i can just get something up then if it's not done in 20 minutes i'll just post it anyway and so it's less about when it's done it's more about when the 20 minutes are up Ah, i need to post something
0: building the habit Uh, building the muscle
1: exactly and and hitting publish that's the key thing you know not not having the fear and and the fear sort of tends to dissipate the more you do it and so um that's one thing and then also understanding that some of the things you thought were amazing other people don't really connect with some of the (laughs) things that took you one minute gets hundreds of likes other things that you know took you hours to get, get less so you almost learn to detach yourself from from the success or failure of anything you put yeah. out and so yeah I, I got to I think April and then just went through what I'd written and put put uh, the best 50 of those into a little e-book which hilariously I did nothing with until a few days ago when uh, <laughs> someone in uh, one of our groups actually was an event we did last week a little meetup um, going full circle Um, and we were talking about you know the fear of hitting publish and lots of people talking about all these posts they've got sitting in their draft or a podcast that they've got sitting in a draft because they're scared of it might be the best one but it's never seen the light of day and so I was helping them and then realizing actually I've done this little book that I've not actually put out there I can't can't talk so uh, (laughs) that inspired me then to just do the same and share that with with the people and then just let it go like don't get too wound up about the response
0: yeah and don't linger with with what everybody else thinks about it like you did your you put your 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 words out in the world and they're out there now so yeah and it actually
1: feels very cathartic it just felt like a release you know like almost the closing ritual of like that's done and now i can move on to the actual book now yeah
0: yeah what's the book going to be about
1: well, that's my biggest problem really is I, I'm really good normally at like having a vision for something and, and then it just falls into place. I think the challenge with this is I've always tried to take um, a lot of the things I've written in the past and, and build a book around that. So in some ways, I would say it's, it's our philosophy. It's you know about be, being a happy entrepreneur, building a happy startup, building a happy business. What does that look like? How do you do it? And uh, tell and me right now, state- what does
0: it look like? How do you do it? <laughs> Give me the, give me, I don't have to buy your book. The secret
1: sauce. Okay, I'll do the blinkest version in like 30 seconds. Um, well, it's interesting because I had a call with one of my uh, groups today. I, I'd say one of the biggest things is well, a is courage, like courage is in short supply for a lot of us. We're so worried about what other people think, we're so worried about you know our only inner critic, like me, with the book. But, you know, having the courage to just maybe walk a different path than that is expected of us. So it's really about courage, alignment, I would say about, you know, aligning what makes you happy with what makes you money and what makes an impact in the world. Um, mm, that's we hard to do. might know those things. Yeah. And, and it's about balance. You know, I think it was Mahatma Gandhi who said, happiness is what we say, what we think, what we do in harmony. And, and so that's one of the things I see with a lot of people we work with and I've struggled with in the past is how do you walk the walk? You know, how do you, you know, work with clients you really want to work with and do the work you really want to do and make the impact you really want to make. Um, and yeah, I think that comes down to a courage, be community and, and be confident in yourself and your ideas mm. and to uh, not worry too much about the future because yeah, uncertainty is everywhere, but we never really, understand that until it hits us in the face so yeah trying to yeah. trust that you'll be okay even if things don't work out
0: do you think that having a partner uh, was a game changer for you in this journey that you've had
1: yeah and, and to be honest I don't know it any different well I say that I I was freelance for five years before me and Carla set out in business together I definitely got to a point where I was feeling a bit isolated with it and it wasn't fun anymore it was just me yeah. you know with my clients so, yeah, I, on one hand, I would say, you know, having a business partner is the best thing you can do. But on the other hand, I know how difficult it is to find a really good business partner, like a life partner, the more yeah. you want it, the more elusive it becomes. So in some <laughs> ways, our, our our community is really a community of a lot of solo solopreneurs, you know, companies of one or creatives or coaches or consultants who maybe don't have that business partner and crave that connection and so I think that's what we found is you can find that support in other ways you don't have to have a business partner you can collaborate with others who share your values and that, that trust can still be there and so in some ways that's what I think our community is there for it really is to give people other playmates to support them or to help them with the things they're not good at or to hold them to account if they are really bad at doing it themselves which we all are and to be that you know, supportive but critical friend, which Carlos is to me and I am to him, which I think is a beauty of a good partnership. Is you, you can be there to sort of pick each other up when it when it's bad, but also to sometimes give you a kick out the backside when when you need it to.
0: Yeah. A well, last rapid fire question: What do you think uh, is the best advice you could give to yourself when you were starting out in community building, for other community builders out there that might be just getting started?
1: <sighs> oh. I would say there's something about putting your own life jacket on first. It's a bit of a cliche, but any community builder would tell you, you know, it is not for everyone. It's, you know, a hard gig in some ways because you're giving so much. And I think only through giving to the point of no return, do a lot of us end up realizing what our own boundaries are. So I think that'd be one thing for me is in terms of energy and time, just be really, protective of your own time and and boundaries around that and to do the things that make you top up in terms of energy and then i'd say on the money side too the same token you know understand that you have to meet your basic needs as a business and so understanding the difference between building a community or a movement and building a business and the two can, can overlap but it might be that the money doesn't come from where you where you thought it might come from and so to not lose sight of that
0: hmm do you know pamela slim have you heard of pamela Slim? i don't know
1: her but i know body of work the book yeah
0: yes so she was recently on the podcast and one of the things she had um said that i really thought was interesting and i had just never really thought about it in the terms that she used but empire versus ecosystem of like are you building an empire or are you building Mm. an ecosystem of of peers and i think um for the Happy Startup School, you're definitely building a system of peers, of people who are, you know, that you can share and uh, maybe post that thing that you're afraid mm. to post on social media. But posting it maybe in your community um, for these startups are, are uh, it's a little bit more um, accessible.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, understanding that we're, we're all still trying to work this out. You know, it's, yeah. it's easy to try and look like you know what you're doing and you're the expert. Or you're the... know the leader of this thing and and there's a lot of gurus out there and there's a lot of people who need gurus so i can see that is appealing but yeah we've never been that that kind of person and or people and so being as vulnerable as anyone who's starting out and understanding we're all still on a journey and, and every business every career is still evolving particularly at the moment so yeah i think that gives other people permission to do the same
0: yeah, I know. So the Happy Startup School, you just uh, started your um, your cohort that's going on right now. Is there anything else that's coming up for uh, the Happy Startup School that you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah, so, well, further away next year, summer camp's back next September in 2023. And we've got our altitude retreat back in June in the Alps next uh, next year. Um, I would say in the, in the next six months, it's for me, it's writing, like writing the goddamn book it's on the post-it in front of me um and also more collaborations like summer camps reignited my desire to just connect with more people and we've got so many amazing teachers and mentors and friends who whose work has inspired us and continues to do so so yeah the energy I get off other people um is something I want to bring back more so what that looks like I'm not sure but again trying to create space for more playmates and, and see what comes from that
0: cool all right if anybody's interested in joining the happy startup school or talking with you what's the best place for them to go
1: so if they just go to the happy startup and there's links there to pretty much everything we do um and yeah just email hello at happy if you want to um contact me or carlos that will come through to us and yeah any questions please share them with us
0: all right. Well, thank you again for, for being here uh, and just deep diving with us around this uh, community strategy that, that you've evolved over time and continually. I it's called The Emergent
1: Strategy, isn't it? I've heard it called before. There's a book called yeah. The Emergent Strategy. Yeah. And
0: that's community building. That's what they talk with, uh, in Monday community about workshopping and, um, just developing as you grow and building it with them instead of for them, um, which are some key components, I think in, in community building. So thank you so much. Thanks Dave. All right. Take care everybody for, uh, for everybody, just so your heads up, uh, I did post on social this past week, you've probably already seen that before but uh the community strategy podcast is going to be on a pause at the end of the year but not before we reach 100 episodes Uh, we're celebrating that with david siegel coming up at the end of the year uh but in the uh next 10 episodes you'll hear some amazing speakers that are coming up uh including tony from the mighty community director of uh, mighty community and a couple other really amazing people so and of course we've got lawrence's episode today which is wonderful lots of lots of takeaways there so uh, until the next time I hope you're finding calm in this day, evening or afternoon have fun, find calm feel, get a little happy right? <laughs> get a little happy in your step and uh, until the next time take care and see you later bye hey this is Deb Shell and I am super so psyched to let you know I am writing a book big deal I know maybe it's not for you but for me it's a big deal and guess what I'm writing this book for you because honestly, as a new community builder two years ago in 2020, I had no idea what I was doing and I really got really confused easily. So I'm gonna simplify things for you. But what I need from you right now is to actually help me make this book possible. And so you can support me with a crowdfunding campaign that I'm running through iFundWomen. I'm gonna have a link in the show notes, please support me this this is running from September 1st through the end of October so I'm really hoping to reach my goal uh, to be able to write this work style book it's going to have worksheets it's going to have templates it's going to be something that you can actually use today it's not a course that you have to take for four weeks it's not um, a a big book that's not going to give you actionable steps you're going to be able to take action the same day that you read the book I'm super excited about this. I've had lots of feedback from clients that this is what they want. This is what they need. So I'm putting it together and uh, I hope you can support me with it. And I hope it, I hope it's going to help you. So let me know, Uh, please uh, check out the show notes for that link to the Woman crowdfunding campaign for the new book I'm writing. It's called Creator to Community Builder. I'm so excited. Thanks for helping me if you've already donated.